Hey guys, we're in a series called Beautiful Resistance. The idea is that there's plenty in our world to resist, right? Lots of stuff to resist. Some challenging things out in the world, and if you just succumb to them, it's a problem. You need to resist them. But the way of resisting in the kingdom of God is a little bit different than the way we resist in the rest of the world. Our culture resists in many different ways, and we've seen it over the last couple of years. But the way that God, the way that Jesus shows us how to resist is he teaches us to follow something, right? As opposed to running away from darkness, we run towards the light. Instead of running from the devil, we run to Jesus, okay? We have a vision. We're moving forward on a kingdom vision in our lives. This is what being a Christian is, is is keeping your eyes focused on where you're going, not on where you've been. It's about understanding that if, if the darkness or the challenges or the temptations or the habits or the addictions of your life are the thing that you're fighting against more than your pursuit of the things of God, then the darkness has your attention. And it's got held you captive and you need to break free. And the way that you do that is you beautifully resist by going after that which is beautiful that which is empowering, that which is life-giving, and that's what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring us life and life more abundant, okay? Now, one of the things that those of you that just graduated or have recently graduated, or if you can flash back to your graduation day, for me, it was 1977, it's clear as day, very good year. Vietnam War had just gotten over a couple years prior, uh, and it was a really challenging season in our country, very difficult days. I can remember it quite well. And it, I began, began a life of pursuit of foolishness. I was doing stupid stuff, crazy things. And when I came to know Jesus at the age of 21... I started realizing that some of these things are stupid. It's holding me back. It's keeping me down. It's keeping me from realizing my potential. It's destroying my body. It's just destroying my mind. It's destroying all kinds of things, relationships, my home, everything. And so I began to follow after the ways of Jesus, and things began to change, and I started pursuing wisdom. And so as we continue in this series, I, I want to bring to your attention today the idea that wisdom... Resist folly. Wisdom resists foolishness. Folly. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we pray right now that you help us shift our attention from, away from that which didn't work to what does work. And that's your word, your wisdom that you so liberally give us in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, there are some, people do some dumb things, right? You know what I mean? So especially um, when you're first learning about, you know, life and you're moving out to get your first apartment, one of my favorite comedy routines that's probably 20 years old now is Jeff Foxworthy's uh, bachelor pad apartment uh, shtick. I don't know if you guys go back that far. Like, I think that's eight millimeter film, but um, it's quite a ways back, but Moving is interesting. Some of you are going to be moving into dorms. Some of you guys are going to uh, be moving into your first apartment or your first house or whatever the case may be. 
Uh, some of you know what it's like to move. You've moved many, many times, okay, and it's not fun. The older you get, the less you're around when people need to move. So um, I want to give you some wisdom on moving, and the first thing I want to do to protect you from folly is show you this is not the way to move a couch, okay? <laughs> so this, so when you move a couch, you use a truck, you do not use a sedan, okay? It, it's hard to get them in there. Now, my son Cameron could probably get a couch in a car like that, but in this case, it's not working. Um, next picture. Sometimes along the way, you see signs. Some signs you follow, other signs you resist, okay? Some of the signs of the times we need to resist, okay? There, if you don't get a red flag by looking at this, then maybe you need to pursue wisdom, okay? Here's another picture that my friend Greg took when he was on a walk with his family. Um, this is an interesting picture. See how many things you can find wrong with this picture, okay? In fact, let's get a zoom on the top guy. There we go. Can you see anything wrong with this picture? What do you see wrong? Yeah, he's got a back brace. And what else? <laughs> the house needs a new paint job. Okay, yeah, that's true. Fascia needs to be clipped. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's got a cast on his right arm. He's got a halo on his head. The dude is at top of a ladder. At the very top step with a halo. What is, see, you guys don't even see anything wrong with it. And so this is why we're having this lesson today. All right? We're talking about wisdom. This is not wisdom. Okay? He also has his pajama pants on. But what's worse, can you go back to the first picture? This is the worst part of the whole thing. Go back, to, no, the, the, the other one. There you go. There's a young, strappy young lad right there holding the ladder for the guy that's in traction, probably with a broken neck, or either that or he had a lobotomy or something along those lines, and he is at the top of that ladder. And this little young guy is at the bottom holding this guy up there, and the guy's not holding on to anything. Wisdom would say, this is not OSHA approved. Okay? It's not OSHA approved. All right. So as you can see, some things are obviously in the world are, are just foolish, right? We do stu stupid stuff. I'm the king of it um, over the years. Just because you begin to follow Jesus doesn't mean you quit doing dumb stuff. I mean, I can't tell you how many times Tina and I have been on vacation and we we're at about an hour and a half to two hours into the timeshare presentation. And I'm just looking at her, and I'm like Mr. Friendly Guy. I'm like trying not to give him. Tina's like, nope, we're not buying nothing. <laughs> nothing. And she's just like rude and blunt. She just wants her $200 or her, her, her uh, luau tickets and quads. What else have we gotten? Hotel rooms. We've gotten all kinds of stuff. Awesome. But every time. We say, we will never do that again. And what happens? We're, two years later, we're walking down the road, and, and somebody says, hey, you want to go fishing? Hey, you want to do this? You want to do that? And we say, sure, sure, sure. Could just come look at our property. And, we'll have it. and I know, wisdom tells me, don't 
go. Because you, one, you're not going to buy anything, and two, it's going to take your whole day. And I do it anyway. How many times in life do we have stuff that we just keep stepping in? Right? Wisdom leads us away from folly. When you're in pursuit of wisdom, you don't always get it right. But you get it right a lot more often. But it's a pursuit. And so I want to share with you a little bit on this idea of obtaining wisdom and resisting folly. You know, folly actually comes out of the word foolishness. Folly, a fool and his folly, dumb things that they do. It doesn't necessarily mean it's sinful. It just means it's not smart. It's not good. It's not going to help you. The interesting thing is, if, if, you, if you take a look at folly, folly is one of those things that always gravitates towards pleasure. What it gets you happy right now? What feeds you now? What makes you smile right now? What makes you feel a certain way right now? That's the first indication that you probably need to really think about what you're about to buy or where you're about to go, or who you're about to date, based on whether or not it's easy. Easy. Folly loves ease. It loves pleasure. Folly often follows culture, the majority rule, where everybody's going. Now, in high school, there is three, four years of your life where you're in the same building with people that are within two years of your age. All of you going through the same thing at the same time. Do you remember this? Going through the same changes in your body and in your mind and in your heart, learning how to go on dates and learning how to refuse dates and learning how to say no and how to say yes and all the different things. All at the same time. Whose idea was this? Right? Everybody gets in sync with each other. Because they're all going through the same thing. All going through it at the same time. It's crazy. And then we get out into the rest of the world and everything changes. But while we're in that world, it's like there's a real temptation to just follow what everybody's doing. Because nobody wants to be an outcast. Even if you're going to be an outcast, you find some other outcasts to hang out with, and you go with whatever they go with. And pretty soon, you start being shaped by culture, the culture of the group, the culture of the tribe, the culture of the day. And sometimes that culture fits really good with wisdom, and other times it rages against wisdom. We're living in a time right now where if you resist some of the culture that you're labeled as being somebody that's restrictive or being restricted because you serve God or you have certain morals and you choose to abide by those and you choose to follow those instead of you choosing to follow the group. And then pretty soon, the new moral is being against morals. Pretty soon, the new moral is being against any type of responsibility or any type of guidance or counsel or scripture or faith or any of those kinds of things. And 
When we get to that place, then all of a sudden, guess what? Culture becomes God. Culture becomes king. Social media becomes king. And right now what's happening is people are literally physically, mentally being addicted to what they see on media, what they see on news, what they see on social media, all these things, right? We are becoming addicted to it. We don't even realize it. All of us, one way or another. Even those that are resisting that are finding themselves in other traps that are shaping them more than God shapes them. And so the pursuit of wisdom is what we're after because it will help us avoid some of the folly, some of the depression, some of the anxiety, some of the broken relationships, the broken families, the brokenness of life, addictions, and things along those lines could be really avoided if we'd quit running from it and start running after the wisdom of God. So let's look at Proverbs 28, verse 26. Proverbs 28, verse 26. This is a great passage. Uh, and it's one that maybe, maybe you should tattoo this on your arm, okay? Instead of a, I don't know, I won't go there because you might have it. Um, Proverbs 28, 26. Whoever trusts his own mind is a fool. <laughs> you get that? Isn't that interesting? We have to use our minds for wisdom. But when you trust your mind... Solely, you can become a fool. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. You see, wisdom prompts you to yield. It interrupts certain things that pleasure, pleasures, desires, temptations, they all come to us. And wisdom interrupts. You're like, I think I'll buy it. Or I think I'll go there. Or I think I'll accept the invitation. Or I think I will do this or I'll do that. And, but wisdom interrupts us as, hey, hey, slow down. Hey, hey, take some time. Hey, hey, talk to some people. Hey, hey, what does the scripture say? Hey, hey, what does your mentor say? Hey, hey, don't you need a couple people to weigh in on this before you make the decision? Hey, hey. That's what wisdom does. And folly hates that. Because folly hates to be interrupted. You ever been on a, a great, watching a great video or watching a great movie or you're, you're listening to something with your headphones and somebody interrupts you and, and you're like almost irritated. Like you get mad at them because even though they didn't do anything wrong, you just, you just get upset, right? And so you just, you're, you're irritated. Why? Because you got interrupted. You were on a flow. You were doing what was easy. You were doing what was pleasurable. But that person now is interrupting you. But you don't know. Maybe that person has something that you need to know. Or there's an interaction that you need to have with this person that is going to be very helpful. And so wisdom is constantly interrupting like that person making you pull your earbuds out for Wisdom's constantly doing that. And so when my wife, sometimes I'll be like in a trance and my wife will want my attention. She'll say my name two or three times. My kids used to go, dad, 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 Steve. 
Yeah? What do you need? Right? Because you get focused, right? Wisdom is constantly saying, Steve. It's constantly. Pouring up some red flags constantly. Now, the interesting thing is, if you go to Matthew, let's go to Matthew chapter 7. And in the New Testament, Jesus teaches us the, probably the most valuable concept in the Scripture when it comes to self-control and wisdom. And he teaches us, it's called the wide gate and the narrow gate, or the foolish way and the wise way, or the way of destruction and death, the way of fulfillment and life. In chapter 7 and 13, it says this, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now think about this. A wide road is the road that most people go down. They didn't go down the narrow paths because sometimes the narrow paths were less direct way. The roads were always the quickest way to get to some place, usually the flattest, the smoothest, the most well-traveled roads. And so Jesus is saying, don't go the broad way. Don't go where the wagons go. Don't go where all the masses go. Go on the smaller path. Go where... It might take you a little longer. It winds through some different places because you'll see things that you wouldn't see on the Broadway. The narrow way is the way that leads to life. So those of you that are graduating, you're now at a place where you get to choose the way. You get to choose if you're going to go broad and follow the way of the world, the way of media, the way of culture, the way of ease or pleasure. And you can set all your goals to satisfy yourself and be fun and exciting and have all the experiences that you want. And many of them, not a big deal, not bad. I love having experiences and I love pleasure. I love ease. I love all those things. But the one that has to become king is the one that told us to go down this narrow road. And this narrow road leads to life. Now, the Broadway, oftentimes people teach the Broadway as being, you know, these are the seven deadly sins you got to stay away from. Stay away from all these immoral things. Get away, away from the immoral man or the immoral woman. you got to stay away from certain kinds of addictions and all these kinds of things, which, I mean, you don't have to be a God follower to know that that ain't a good idea, right? You don't need God wisdom for that. You can use just normal wisdom that you're born with, never even knowing God. You just know there's something inside you just knows that it ain't the way to go. But what Jesus was teaching was that there is this tendency to follow the group everywhere we go. And that begins to shape us more than Jesus or the word of God or the life that God has for us. And so he's saying, hey, very few people find this way. And what it is, it's tapping in 
to the wisdom in the life of God. And so here's three things that will help you tap in to the wisdom that only God can give. You see, there's two types of wisdom. There's natural wisdom, and then there's wisdom from above. Okay? So first of all, number one, we need the pursuit of God. This is something that we have to begin at some point in our lives. It says this in uh, Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom or the beginning of wisdom. This is where it comes. This is when you really start to tap into wisdom. When you know that there's something bigger than you, when you know that there's something that created you, when you know that that something can speak to you, and direct you and guide you. And when you recognize it and you re- accept it and you receive it, your spiritual eyes are open. We call it being reborn or born again or born anew, born afresh, spiritually alive. When that happens, it's the beginning of God kind of wisdom. Okay? So... We start entering through the narrow gate. Now, the interesting thing is, when you talk about narrow gates, in the, if you go to Jerusalem, I, I'm going to Israel this January. By the way, if you want to go with us, I got six spots left. So we're going in January, free plug. Um, when you go there, you'll see these big, huge gates, huge gates as tall as this room that goes into the city of Jerusalem. And then there's little doors in the gates. And so at night, they shut those gates so that the big wide road that people go through can no longer be traveled through and big wagons can't go in there or cars can't go in there. And then there's these little tiny gates. And so back in the day, they would come in with their camels in order for them to get in at night, they would have to take everything off of the camel And the camel would have to crawl down and go through the little tiny door. And that's why it says it's easier for a rich man. I mean, uh, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, because they called those little gates the needle, than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Because you can no longer let the things that you have be your God anymore. You have to set them down and go through. Okay? What is he saying? Is it bad to be rich? No, it just, it's really difficult sometimes for money not to be your God. But sex can be your God. Stuff can be your God. Booze can be your God. Drugs can be your God. Your family can be your God. Your tribe can be a God. And God says to enter in through this narrow gate. So you have to shed some stuff. And so it's just because it's fun, it's good, doesn't mean it's right for you. And that's where God comes in. He helps you. So the first thing that we have to do to get God kind of wisdom, we have to be in pursuit of God. We have to be looking for him in every situation. So like every time you go through a bad situation, you want to look at it and you say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me in this? 
And don't say this, please, please. When bad stuff happens, don't say, God, why are you doing this? Or why have you, why have you let this happen to me? Because you're not going to get that one answered. Mainly because he's not the one causing it. But he's there to teach you something while you're going through it. And so when you're going through it, the wisdom comes when you're in pursuit of God. You're always looking for God to speak in every situation. You're struggling with your kids. What's God saying to you? Struggling with your wife, struggling with your husband, struggling with your family members, your neighbor. What's God saying to you? What's God saying to you? Can't figure out what college to go to? What do you, are, are you in pursuit of God or do you even care what he thinks? Right? So we're in pursuit. So if you got a career, what does God think about that? So you're in pursuit of wanting to know God. You might not know when you first ask it, but just the process of asking and seeking it makes you open your ears to hear what God is saying. Here's the second thing. This one's super important. You have to develop a rhythm of repentance. Most people today hate that word. They hate the word repentance. Because it feels kind of like old school, like legalism. But most people have the wrong definition for repentance. They think that repentance just means turn the other way and walk away from your sins, your bad stuff, the things that you did wrong. But repentance is so much bigger than that. It's huge. If you actually look back at, at the Hebrew and the Greek, you'll come up with these two definitions. The first one is... We got it? There it is. Moving beyond the mind that you have. Moving beyond the mind that you have. The second one is to return. Let's look at the first one at the top. Moving beyond the mind that you have. When you move beyond the mind that you have, you're saying, I'm graduating from high school. It's time for me to move beyond the mind of high school can no longer think like a high school student. I have to start looking at my life and I have to start making some decisions. I have to suck some humble pie up because I'm finding myself understanding my parents more and more, which is completely disgusting. That, and then when you turn 30, you start realizing how much you're so much like your mom or your dad. But this idea of moving beyond the current mind that you have is when you repent, you're saying, I'm not going to allow the mind of this world to be the one that gives me my wisdom. So if people think my morals are too restrictive and the crowd is saying, let loose and live, you're like, nope. No, this is established inside of me. And wisdom says I'm going to stick with what I got. And I'm going to, and that automatically resists folly. So when we move beyond the mind that we have, we are saying, you know what? I was a child, and now I'm older. And it's time for me to move beyond the mind that I have. If you've had tension in your marriage, and you discover what's causing that tension, you have to move beyond 
that to a new way of thinking. So you renew your mind. You change how you think about relationships. But when we look at this word return, this word return means come back to. Repentance was always spoken to the children of Israel because they kept wandering away from God and they quit returning to him. And the word return is much more than just backsliding and then coming back to God. It's about returning every day. Returning every hour. Returning to God every time you're thinking about making plans for your kids, your family, your house, your home, your, your church, your, your future, your retirement, where you're going to live, all those kinds of things. You've got to consider all these things, guys. And wisdom will come to you when you keep returning back to God for consult. When you go to your mentors and you believe that the scripture is right when it says that there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, you don't just make major decisions without insight, wisdom from others. You don't have to ask anybody permission, but it's wise to get counsel. No, you don't need anybody telling you where you can live and what you can do. But it's always best to get wisdom from the multitude of counselors. So we return to him. We keep coming back. So every morning you get up and you come back to the scriptures. Come back to those moments with God. You come back to worship. You come back to church. This is why we have a rhythm. We have a rhythm of repentance, a rhythm of rethinking a rhythm of moving beyond the mind that we have. We have a rhythm of coming and singing and worshiping because we're returning back to God every Sunday morning, every Monday morning, every Tuesday morning, every Wednesday morning, every Thursday morning, and then we skip Friday, and then we go to Saturday. And No, we don't. We're just constantly returning back for God's counsel. Why? Because we want the wisdom, the wisdom of God. James chapter 3, it says this. The wisdom from above, verse 17, is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it's always sincere. You hear me use the word, the pure spirit of intent. That's what this is. When you want to know the will of God, seek the purest form of intent that you have for others. Your purest form of intent that you have for your spouse. The purest form of intent you have for your kids, for your school, for your workplace, for your boss, for your church. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. Pleasure and folly will never yield to others. It always takes advantage and doesn't really care who they step on to get what they want. Doesn't care what their decision, how it affects other people. All they're interested in is pleasure. Wisdom says, you know what, I'm going to yield. I'm going to opt out of this decision because I see the damage it's going to cause to other people. That's the wisdom of God. 
And that's the kind of wisdom I pray for you. That's our third one. Discover the wisdom. Discover the wisdom every time you get into a conflict, every time you have a challenge, every time you disagree with somebody, every time you get in a fight, every time you have health challenges, every time you've just gotten in a funk and you, you look it over and you consult with God and you say, God, what can I take from this and use for wisdom in the future? Because guys, much of our wisdom comes from looking back at what went wrong and we say to ourselves, the next time I will do it this way. That's wisdom. That's wisdom that comes from God. Let me pray for you. Would you stand up to your feet all around the room? I really feel like um, there's some people that God's like opening up areas of your heart right now uh, that are gonna go pretty deep. There's some of you that have some major decisions that you're wrestling with and you realize everything's based on pleasure, everything's based on ease, but it's not based on the direction of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to open yourself up I'm not saying not to do it. I'm just saying, listen. Listen to what God says to you. Maybe there's a couple tweaks that he wants to do. Maybe there's some motive he wants to change. Maybe there's some purity that needs to come into the conversation. Take a look. What does the scripture say? What does God desire for you? What does God desire for the body of Christ? What does God desire for the world, your kids, your wife, your husband? And then you open yourself up to that, watch. As you pursue that kind of wisdom, it will resist folly every time. Amen? And may you not get trapped in a timeshare. Unless, of course, it's above $400, then it becomes wise. Then you go. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just pray right now for this congregation. Help us in the littlest areas and the big areas. Help us be wise beyond our years, but help us be equipped with the wisdom that only comes from you, not the wisdom that comes from just man, but the wisdom that comes from on high. In Jesus' name, bless this congregation with wisdom, God. Amen, amen. God bless you. See you next week. And, oh, yes, our prayer partners are here. Thank you. It's wise to get prayer. And uh, they're the best prayer partners in the world. So come on up and receive prayer if you need it. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you.